If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey guys, Brandon Pham here. A word from our partner, 80.LV. Be sure to check them out while you are listening to this week's episode. They have awesome articles that you should read about. There is an article out about photogrammetry, the lighting tool for Unity, where Unity senior technical artist, Cyril Yover, shared the video of the new tool, which will prove useful for photogrammetry enthusiasts. Also, there's an article about simple, stylized content for Unity games. Graham Smith from Ignimus Studios discussed the ways he approaches the creation of beautiful, stylized environments. Those are a couple of many uh, where you can check out amazing techniques and articles on how to create environments and awesome art. Be sure to check out their website 80.lv and drop a like now let's get back into it ladies and gentlemen boys and girls all over the world globe international wherever you happen to be while this voice is coming through those headphones or speakers this is larry charles one half of the game dev unchained podcast team the number one podcast for video game development and the lifestyle thereof that which i live and i'm not the only one this is not a solo production i brought with me this week the man who was the first person to ask the question do you even lift bro mr brandon fam hey just finishing my reps here thank you larry this is brandon fam bringing along with me my spotter Shora <laughs> yeah I don't think I ever said your last name how you say your last for name for a honey for, for a honey how you doing how you hello doing, guys sure what's up man glad that you guys gave me opportunity to come in it's been a while it's been a while we normally have the guests kind of walk our our audience through their resume so please just you know give our audience in uh, a brief I guess summary of the companies you've worked for and the games you worked on in the game industry Okay, so well, first of all, hello to everyone. Um, so I <laughs> let's let's do a quick recap. I am I am from Iran. Hey. I came to to USA about like 11, 12 years ago. Uh, I I came as a, like as with a student visa. So I started at Academy of Art. I had um, like my bachelor's and and I left my master's degree in, in Iran to come for a master's degree in Academy of Art University. Uh, the reason was most like I chose Academy Award because at the time that I came, 2006, there were very few like academics, like universities that would provide like very dedicated master's degrees. I think right now it's more, but at the time there were very few options. Like Savannah College had one, <laughs> Academy, of, Academy of Art had one. So I uh, I came uh, at 2006. Uh, while I was studying, I did a couple of like freelance gigs here and there. Uh, I made a couple of short films of my own. Uh, and eventually one of those short films was for a competition by Ridley Scott people. Uh, that made it to the top 10. And I was at the GDC and uh, I think uh, the art director from Raven <clears throat> saw that short film and he told me like, how come you don't have a job? 
So eventually I got the job at Raven. Uh, and uh, it was in, it's in Madison, Wisconsin. At the time he told me like, hey, it's only like three months of cold. Uh, the rest is very nice. It's actually the reverse. It's like nine months of cold. But it's a very beautiful city, very lovely people. Uh, it's a college town though. So me who, who like came to USA from big city Tehran and like San Francisco moved to a very small town of Madison mm-hmm. in Wisconsin. Uh, I was there for about two years. I worked on a couple of Call of Duty titles and eventually I asked to transfer to be trans because a lot of my friends at the time were in Bay Area. I asked to be transferred to Sledgehammer. Uh, and the, the, the thing was like with Activision Studios is you can't actually transfer because that would promote like studios from stealing from each other's talent. Like yeah, you can uh, just transfer and also you can't transfer and promote like hire from another studio and promote that's i think against their policy mm-hmm. so um uh, I, I i i came to sledgehammer and i was there for two years and uh we were all together in, in the same like you know uh on the same game we work on advanced warfare there and after two dlcs i i think that Here's another difference between Raven. One of the big differences between Raven and Sledgehammer is uh, I think like Raven is a help studio at the, at the moment uh, and Sledgehammer is the lead studio. Lead studio balloons up to 220 people in the peak of the production. And when the production goes down, suddenly the studio goes to 80 people. Mm-hmm. But uh, Raven is a consistent 120 people because they always have projects to work on. They always are helping with the you know Call of Duty title that's getting released, and that's very good for them. Like it's a, it's a very like you know fa- like, like the, the the entire culture of the studio feels like a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so uh, this uh, Sledgehammer, I was there for DLC one and two also, and then there was a round of layoffs. I think it was a couple of us. And I got laid off at the time. I was on my H-1B work visa. So uh, kind of my visa went down. Uh, there were a lot of like, like I, I actually had like job offers from like maybe 2K and a couple other companies. But because of my visa situation, it was just too crazy and it never happened. So eventually I found this small um, like startup in San Jose called Outward Inc. And uh, we, we discussed it. Like they sent me a test. I did it in a day and they invited me to just like drive down there and talk with the CEO. And at the time we were like a team of 20 people. And uh, I kind of ate up on my salary, but I got stocks. And at the same time, um, they were like, it was kind of a leadership role, very specific because you had to be like, have, have some kind of like architectural background. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and now the studio is like, uh, and they fixed my visa essentially. Like I ate a little on my salary, but we, they fixed my visa. Um, and yeah, everything went very well. And the company is now a hundred plus. Uh, nice. offices in North Carolina and uh, we still have the very big, like San Jose, we are trying to go to a bigger place. It's, it's very nice. We have a lot of big name clients. And what we do is essentially, um, if they think of like an Ikea catalog, uh, like when you go to Ikea website and it used to be photography, now it's all CG, but you mm-hmm. have a lot more flexibility. Like, uh, like you can mix and match, you can choose the fabrics, do 360s, uh, and the, the later stages, you can put them in a scene. You can have a scene builder, VR, AR. It's just like goes from there, and it's its own category. It's 
kind of gaming pipeline, but we are dealing with a lot of high res assets. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's quite nice. Uh, we ha- I, the, the, the 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 organization, the the CEO, everyone is super nice. Well, I'm glad that your visa got taken care of, man, because that was yeah. a and since you know, then that I was a scary been moment. Married now, and uh, yeah, I just got my green card recently, so oh, congratulations, <laughs> congrats, awesome, dude. Yeah, shit, now you're here for good. Damn, oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get rid of you. Yeah, yeah, even well, there's the case. Still, I don't know if I can leave the country and come back safely, but right. uh, leave that to debate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, coming from Iran, was there like a so how how'd you get into? It? Is there a game industry over there that you guys? Um, not necessarily. Well, uh, in Iran, the thing is like first of all, you don't have copyright law, mm. so essentially, uh, whoever makes whatever, um, you can, and or you find something online, you can use it, whether it's pirated software. Uh, but the problem is you can't pirate hardware. So you don't yeah. have high-end uh, hardware in Iran. Uh, you still have, like, actually, Tehran is pretty modern, and in, it's a very me- big metropolitan area. But it's just, like, a lot of the, like, because when you do the money conversion, I think the biggest difference is, like, a lot of the hardware equipment is becomes becomes very expensive. Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. the software part, even though they, they would be expensive, uh, because there is no copyright, so suddenly you have all this pirated cracked software, so you can do whatever you want. So it's very good for like, you know, learning. There's a lot of good talent that comes from Iran. I know there are a couple of them right now at Sledgehammer, like the, the senior character artist there. And I know a couple of people who have come out and they're super talented uh, because they like, you know, they learned. And, and because again, a lot of these softwares are for free. Uh, uh, they tend to learn a bunch of software. Like I personally have learned like a, ton of different software packages even though i might not be ex- expert on them but i just know like what role they could potentially play in a pipeline mm-hmm. Man, but so... uh, the other aspect of it is the visa aspect of it um so some people just come in with green card like winning in lottery family um that's that's a lot easier but if you are coming with a visa, like student visa or work visa, it's a little longer, longer process. Yeah. Well, I just want to know how much is like Photoshop and Maya and like all that in Iran? <laughs> oh, it's like um, one dollar, two dollar. It's oh, very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, as like Photoshop is cheap. Photoshop is six hundred dollar package, like mm-hmm. or in the highest end, maybe twelve hundred. But like mm-hmm. there's, there's like we had like software that is like 30 k, like mm-hmm. you know, and like I've dealt with endorphin. Endorphin is like a, at the time it was like fifteen thousand dollars for like very heavy different kind of animation, uh, like stuff that motion capture cannot do. So you simulate it, and at the time endorphin used to do that, and uh, like that was available. Mm-hmm. Or like you know, there's a lot of like high end packages that you can find, but you have to put time on your own. And also, it's very hard to find. Like a lot of these software are great because they have great support system and like customers, you know, technical support. But mm-hmm. in Iran, you don't get that. <laughs> so again, it's just like um, you 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 run into a problem. Either you have to learn to code or like you know get into the like you know source code, 
or just like, you know, kind of like do another route around it and find another solution. Mm. Damn, dude. Well, I'm happy that you made it to through and or you made it through and to America. Yeah. There's... Yeah, and I haven't visited since then. I know Tehran has got even bigger and nicer. Uh, and yeah, and the, the funny thing is a lot of Americans have this perception that it might look like a desert or anything like that. Considering that um, Afghanistan and Iraq, um, like there has been like the footage that we see through TV seems like that. But all these countries, they have very beautiful regions. A lot mm. of the metropolitan areas are very advanced. You can find, and the, the reality of the world is if you have money, you can own anything anywhere. Like you can yeah. have access to the latest technology anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, was there when you, uh, I mean, you had some time to assimilate into the, uh, into America, obviously, because you were a student first before going to the industry. Uh, was there any type of culture shock uh, that you were getting used to? Well, uh, well, I don't. First of all, I don't come from very religious background, so mm, that to me was kind of like a you know resolved issue. Like a lot of people who might come in, they might have a lot stronger religious backgrounds, uh, and they might suddenly like, oh, there's clubs, there's alcohol, like like alcohol is banned in Iran, but mm. like a lot of these would might be a culture shock for me. It was just like okay. But, uh, and again, I come from Tehran. Tehran is a very big, like, you know, city and there's a lot of um, advanced stuff. But no, for me, the biggest change was that I didn't, I don't, I I still don't have much family here. So it was like, for me, uh, like staying late nights in the school, like working till like 1.30, you know, a.m. every day. um, That was like the biggest change in my life. And um yeah, and again, the rent was pretty high, and it's got even worse in San Bay area. But to me, that's the biggest stuff that I had to deal with. But otherwise, I think, um, like, finding friends, people are people. Um, if, if you are nice to people, people would be nice to you. I think a lot of these happens anywhere in the world. So none of those were as much of a culture shock. For me. And again, my English was kind of good thanks to a lot of – I used to watch a lot of TV shows in English, like – I. Thank God for friends. I uh, used to watch friends. a lot of friends, Seinfeld. So all these shows actually help you. And a lot of video games. Actually, I learned a ton of like English through video games. Mm. What, was, uh, what was one of the games that helped you learn English? That's what I want to know. I, Monkey Island. Monkey Island. I played oh, a ton a of Monkey game. Island. That's a good one. And uh, uh, because like especially Monkey Island 3 started the, 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 the dialogue, like Full Throttle, those games, like a lot of those LucasArts adventures, Especially when they started introducing dialogues and talking, uh, I think that really helped, like, help me like get get better accent. Although it's still not great, but like, it's a lot better than it than what it could be. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, just to paint an audience a little bit of our experience with Shore, right? I mean, one of the reasons why we wanted to bring Shore on is his interesting perspective on the industry like to paint a picture right i would come in one morning in sledgehammer and i would just see shora kind of making the rounds you know there's this bit that he's been working on about like something that he he is like ranting on and he just you know from crowd to crowd he's testing the bit and the most memorable thing has always been just your 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 ideas about certain things so with that being said 
you know, how was E3 for you? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so first of all, um, I want to know a little also about you guys. Like, So I, I, I want to know what you guys have been playing recently. I, I personally have been playing. I know I'm, I'm a little late bloomer on this. I've been playing a ton of Destiny now. Okay. I know it's yeah, yeah, you're definitely so. late. You're really late, so, yeah. <laughs> well, let's be honest. I started when back when like like Vanilla Destiny. I you got played it for the free. campaign and I that's it. I I finished the campaign, the gunplay was great and I gave up. Mm. But I eventually I think uh I got the I I skipped the, the first big expansion and now I got Rise of Iron about like four or five months ago. Right. And oh, that game is incredible. Um uh, I've been playing a ton of Destiny, um, and then uh, maybe some Uncharted Four. Um, well, how do you feel about number two right now? Destiny mm-hmm. Two is that something uh, you're gonna pick up? Destiny Two, I th- the thing is like Destiny is so good now. Like yeah. I don't see them how they're gonna top what they have like as a package because like let's see you are like let's think as a new player you just come in. The, the world is so big now. It's like so many missions, so many stuff to do, and it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. I don't know how they can manage that, like well, like four well, years of three years of content in one just newly released game. I think that's actually a good thing, though, and here's why: if you ask a Destiny player, right, just a, a casual, average Destiny player, like, "Hey, so what's the Destiny story?" Forget it. They're not gonna. They have nothing to say, right? But they will be able to tell you, like, oh, my God, I got this awesome gun that I was using with my friends. Or, oh, you should have seen when we did, like, maybe a specific raid or a specific encounter. But I have yet to just talk casual destiny with somebody who was able to give me, like, a breakdown of, like, the major story arcs, uh, the motivations between factions and, you know. Oh, yeah, that's completely non-existent. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But at the same time, you can tell stories about, oh, my God, I went after, like, you know, uh, the new Galhorn and all the missions that lead to it. It's yeah, yeah. really cool. It's yeah. really cool. Um, and again, for me, I play solo. I have not, like, you know, fire team with anyone. So I okay. have not played any of the raids personally. So I think oh. that aspect of it could be really improved because there's no matchmaking on that. Um, in general, though, I think... I, I'm I'm just worried that how can they have like three years worth of content in just one newly released game? That's my biggest sure. scare about this. But at the same time, I have a ton of friends who are like, "We are not buying this anymore. The time has passed. Let's get <laughs> Destiny Two now." Like you know, I'm waiting for two. So let's yeah. let's come back when Destiny Two comes. So and at the same time, and you've seen the trailer for Destiny Two, right? Yeah, it's pretty. You've good. seen all the the okay, cool. So you here's the big question I get: um, Is Destiny Two actually Destiny Two, or are you feeling like it's one point five? Because there's a lot of pe- vocal people who well, are saying like they expected more. Let's say one point five was the first expansion. One point eight is Rise of Iron. I think probably this is two. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I I wish it would like if. Honestly, if it would had a lot of backwards compatibility with what you had, mm. probably this would be a full two. But yeah. as you said, probably it's a. Uh, again, I personally would not buy it day day one. I would probably wait like two months to okay. see how it holds up and how the people are playing it. But I think it's a great game, and now it has established its own like kind of like um, like we say like it's a shooter. It's a 
yeah. RPG. Now it's Destiny clones because like um, we have the EA game and then uh, Division was kind of like that. Um, yeah. Even you see shades of it in like, you know, Assassin's Creed that there's like exotic weapons and all of that. Yeah, um, yeah I think a lot of that is cool. But yeah, to definitely. Me, uh, at the same, also, I hate the fact, by the way, your audience might hate how much I talk. No, talk, please. It's a podcast, so <laughs> I love when I show up platform. and I don't do anything. Um, but at the same time, I think it affects the sale of other games. Like, I personally have not touched, and like when I was playing Destiny, I didn't touch any other game for three months. Yeah. And it's bad for industry at the same time. It's as good as it's good for Bungie and Activision Studios. I think it's bad for the rest of the industry. Because well, you it's... have a game. It's not their fault, so. you know what I mean? Like, no, <laughs> you made a good game, so that's yeah, yeah. I personally okay. really like the time that every week there was like a cover shooter, like Gears of mm. War, code, and each one yeah, of them yeah. took six hours to finish. I know yeah. a lot of people hated it, like, like that you pay sixty dollars for it, like you know, six hour game. But for us who have grown up, we just want to be finished with a game like in two weekends. Yeah, and 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 you know try a new other experience a week later anymore because like suddenly you have this game that eats up three months of your life say i want to play um i don't know like in skyrim that's another three, three months of my life three I months. Think it's bad for the gaming industry those are, those are those are those are rookie numbers three months <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so playing with Destiny, and you're mentioning the EA uh, kind of clone-ish, but from the Mass Effect team, does that uh, interest you at all? What's your perspective on that? It looked visually really cool. The visuals looked really good. Um, I don't know. Again, it was just a presentation. I right. think visually it looked really cool. The, 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 I think it lo- looked more ge- a little more generic. Because like all the Robomech stuff, we have seen it so much now, the exosuits. Mm. So I don't know. Like to me it looked a tad generic, but hey, it could be very good gameplay. Like BioWare has done it before. They have been in a little slump. Uh, but they have done like my favorite game of all time and you know, uh, which is like Baldur's Gate. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I actually recently I tried also division. And it, I had this bug that for some reason, like, my shots were like eight. There was a seven-second delay between when I shot <laughs> and I heard the noise of it or impact of it. And it was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. It was so weird. Man, I, I played The Division for all of an hour and a half. <laughs> it's And that's no disrespect to anybody who worked on that game or that team. I just, I, I just wasn't there. Like, I don't know how many... I think maybe I have the same complaint as a, as a couple of people online. And I, I'm just going to generally say a couple of people online because it's I've heard this before. But if I shoot a human being in the face with a yeah. shotgun, right, he yeah. should go down. That's it. You know, not like, oh, minus 40 points, you know, but he's still alive shooting at you. Like, no, that's it. Encounter. Oh, man. And I, and oh really? I, I didn't know that. So it's like yes, RPG. It's, it's, RPG. it's RPG, but it's built around everything looks real, right? Like if you take away the RPG and you take away the UI, it looks like a couple of street kids having a fight with another couple of street kids and they're using guns and like like heavy artillery like assault weapons and shit yeah like in the game you know you can shoot somebody in the face shoot them in the chest shoot them in the leg 
and you see matter. the numbers subtract, but it like it, I think that kind of contrasts from the fantasy. Yeah. I was like, oh. Just the whole nature of Destiny being in a fantasy world uh, is a much more pleasant experience compared to like shooting like humans. Yeah. Uh, and also it's more 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 plausible when you say I have a shotgun that has like a 10 damage mm. and a shotgun that has 50 damage. But in real world, yeah. like if you put it in real world perspective, AKs are always AKs. Like there is no yeah. like higher impact AK. It's just yeah. you're constraining to the RPG like aspects of the game, which like you know our brain can't like um our for our brain it's not as fun when it's like when there is some fantasy element. Yeah. And another thing is I think like Destiny has all these creatures. I I hate the creature design, but in general it's very good in that aspect that. You see from distance some big thing, and you know, okay, that's like a, you know, that's a vex. Yeah, that's yeah. this other like faction. You know how to approach them. It's yeah. very team fortress style, like pigs are like. Yeah, the silhouette like, is on point. Yeah, silhouette is very important to them. Um, yeah, I, I think in that aspect is very suspect, su- successful. Well, I think Destiny and Anthem, it's going to be great to see those games fight against the same market, you know, because I, I definitely think that they're in the same lane, like the very same lane. Like yeah. they're te- they're selling me the exact same fantasy. Destiny has a head start with like a huge player base and a lot of people excited about Destiny 2. But out of nowhere, you see the Anthem trailer, which looks great. It's, you know, a Bioware game and how you travel in that game seems to be really cool, right? Like or a lot different, like just supermaning around from place to place. Speaking of good games that got lost, Dark Void had kind of similar things, but the tech at the time didn't support it. Okay. I remember mm-hmm. there's like two, three levels in Dark Void that was like that's similar feeling of like Anthem. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, and I, another aspect I was just listening to, I, I listened to Giant Bombcast, and they were talking about like I think a lot of these games also now we're gonna see how much they're gonna bring that elements of like player unknown battleground all these like you know hunger game ask- aspects to their yeah. games because that's the new hot thing and i bet all these games are gonna have a mode because it's i don't think it's too difficult to replicate when you have a good base of a gameplay mm-hmm. to create that kind of like you know design element of um like you know the hunger games in it uh and i, I think a lot of these games are gonna start introducing that mm-hmm I need to play Player Unknown's Battleground. I love the concept. I, I, I everything about it, I'm just in love with the idea. I just haven't played it yet. And I, ha- I actually one of my best friends from Raven is actually uh, is uh, the lead there now, um, and because they actually set up their studio in in Madison, also. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's dope. You know, what else? What else bothered you? (laughs) The fishing is so hilarious. (laughs) That's a trap. But the biggest thing that really bothered me was just how much gushing the Nintendo stuff was getting. How much much what? Like how much people gush about the Mario game. Uh, It's just like, I don't know. Oh my God, Mario has a hat that can fly. I'm like, oh God. (laughs) First of all, it doesn't sound like you're a fan of Nintendo stuff. Or did you stop being a fan at a certain point? I never grew up in Nintendo to begin with. So, okay. um, but like right now, the, all, like maybe two months ago, all the hype on Zelda uh, and now all these like Mario. And it's just, 
it's just one game, but people are so going crazy over it. I, 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 I don't get it. You don't get it. What, what does it I look like? It. What does it look like to you when you see these uh, uh, Nintendo promos? Oh, it's stupid. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> Millions of people are loving it. Seriously, sure is like this is stupid. You guys are blind. Okay, well, did Nintendo do anything right in your eyes? Well, I actually have a bet. You remember at the time in the in the studio, we used to have bets. Me betting a lot about like the success of different things in video game industry. I yeah. think I've lost a ton of them, but uh, <laughs> and I, I have won a couple. I'm not denying, but one of my um, current bets with one of my coworkers is uh, if uh, like the Switch is gonna outsell. Like I have said, Switch is not gonna sell 12 million units in one fiscal year. Okay, and I still stand by it. Uh, Where are they now? It's not going to outsell twelve million, I don't think, because they can't produce that many. Yeah, what are they at four million right now? uh, I I I doubt they would like outsell Wii U in two years. Like, uh, I personally like like the idea of Wii U, but it was just very underpowered. I just um, and I think I think Switch is great for someone who's like a commuter. I'm not a commuter. Yeah, like I don't commute day to work. But if you are and you, you know, use BART or train, I think it's great for like a media experience, like a 30 minute experience. But if you don't have that, I think it's useless. If you are watching their promo, it's good for the life at the party as well. So. Oh, God, no. Hell no. <laughs> dumbest promo in the, in the panel. <laughs> the party uh, doesn't start until I whip out I my I don't know switch. what kind of friend these guys have, but... My- <laughs> not play like oh let's like you know flip the gun on, on this thing so I'm, I'm looking at this article and it says nintendo previously previously stated that they hope to sell 10 million switch units by the end of the first year and it looks like they're trying to capitalize on public demand and they're revisiting that target to 18 million oh wow okay so they, they, sure. they plan on selling 18 million let me know when you have another prediction so i can bet against you <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the funny thing is, like, I was I also read that um, Nintendo has a bigger value, like market cap value, than Sony, which is mm. crazy to me. Like, Sony, they split up, right? So it's not all Sony, so, just the like PlayStation. PlayStation brand is its own thing, and no, the entire thing, the entire Sony, oh, including all, all of them, I don't all know of about that. Well, I mean, I guess the last Sony thing I've been hearing about it's just a playstation well yeah let's step through that right sony vio computers dead, dead. uh i don't know TV. if sony is selling TV is tvs dead. like that because samsung Actually, came in and kicked everybody's oh, ass their tvs are really good the 4ks are really good but 4k is no just, one's buying those no one's yeah but they're the like 4k for 4k <laughs> whereas everyone else is doing 4k for a grand five yeah, yeah. that's true um yeah sony's struggling huh what else? They haven't really sold anything. Yeah, I know Their camcorders are done. Ah, uh, camcorders, yeah. Division. Yeah, I think they're the rest cameras, of the cameras, all that stuff. Yeah, no one's doing that. It's all about phones more as far as consumers go. And Nikon. But yeah, man. Yeah, yeah probably. But um, I think that in general, I really like Sony's Spider-Man demo. That thing looked really, really good. Yeah, very, shout out to Insomnia. Yeah, it, it looked very E3 demo, but for what it was, it was really good. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked better than anything this Spider-Man Homecoming movie looks like. Oh, um, <laughs> Everyone's like clamoring. What's wrong with the Spider-Man movie? What's your What's your uh, prediction with this one? Uh, what else? Are you not liking the kid? What What is it about? No, it? It's a little too kiddish. Yeah, for my taste, it's a little too kiddish. And I think the scale of it feels very small because they want to create this, like, not you know, interact as much with Marvel universe. So mm-hmm. they want to keep it in the corner of a New York, you know, that he doesn't interact with the rest of the other people. That's why mm-hmm. probably. But I think the scale of it feels very small. Who knows? The reviews, like the pre-screening reviews are quite good for it. But I think All I know is I saw Spider-Man dance to Rihanna's umbrella. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> that was the craziest thing I'd ever seen on uh Whatever that that show is, yeah, uh, yeah. Battle. Damn, lip sync battle, yeah, yeah, lip sync battle. Thank you. And uh, um, he channeled his inner Rihanna. And also, I was very disappointed with Xbox One X. Like, okay. I think. Well, what were you expecting? Well, I I'm really like weirded out that Microsoft has no devs. Like, uh, that what what is Halo team doing? Like three four three Halo. Uh, yeah, no, no, I know three for three, but they, they, they what's were... their new new Halo? Yeah, and and as far as I know, it's like I don't think they haven't they have like even ramped up yet. So that I is... know they're working on a couple projects. They're working on the um, a couple Halo projects. One's kind of like a top down Halo, yeah, Halo Wars or something like a Halo second Wars. One. Yeah, and then oh, and of course uh, another first person Halo. But they haven't announced that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. But to yeah. me, it, like, uh, it was very strange that Microsoft had nothing like strong as a game on mm. their own, other than the Forza game, to say, mm. "Hey, you need to have Xbox One X to ex- experience this thing," because mm. everything else. And and uh, I I agree with everyone that the demo for Crackdown looked very weak. Like yeah. I remember the demo like that Dave did. What's Dave Jones, the, the creator, he did like three years ago and he was showing the power of the cloud and it was all this like <laughs> multiplayer aspect that buildings are destroying each other and it was just this massive like physics simulation. Yeah, don't worry, guys. <laughs> the Sims are going to run in the cloud and then the data is going to get beamed back to your Xbox. <laughs> well, that didn't happen. And of course it yeah, didn't. I, I don't think there was no selling point game like for me that I was like, okay. I need Xbox One X to play this thing. Um, mm-hmm. Same with PS4 Plus. There's no no like big seller for it. Um, well, let's let's walk through Microsoft's flagship products, right? Like Forza did show up, so that was good. It looked pretty. Gears of War, very pretty. Yeah, it very pretty. Their their latest Gears of War came out well before Xbox One X was announced, so I guess that's a little unfortunate. It would have been great if they timed that a little better. Uh, probably probably like an upgraded edition or whatever yeah because uh, the original that? gears no no did you play it yes four i think is like the first half is pretty terrible especially the first like third but good god it gets really good it's like super pretty uh once they pick up marcus it's just like really like good gameplay and i really enjoy the fact that they commit to the art like ugliness of art that they are going for Mm-hmm. And it it's really good. 
doesn't you can even see make the, sense. You can see the grittiness. I, How I do you commit like, to the ugliness the and then it turned out really good? <laughs> I think what, like, what, what, let me ask you. I, I said it a couple of days ago on a in a Facebook post. Do you, did you like the art style of Doom? It's not a pretty game, but it's a pretty mm-hmm. technical achievement. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah, like they yeah. commit to an ugly style, and they they make it work. And I think you know. <laughs> I want to see you like critique the art director. Well, it's, it's like uh, you're really good at committing ugliness, and I commend <laughs> you to it. Yeah, I've never seen ugly look so good. And look, yeah. it's in 4K. Only you can produce this ugliness. Yeah. Well, it, well it used to be that I, I remember Cliffy B used to say that oh, it's dist- destructive beauty, but mm-hmm. now it's just like ugly beauty. Like it's like super <laughs> nasty, gross stuff, but it looks really pretty, like for yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, I think it it it's it it was a really good game. I think Gears Four, uh, not many people played it, but it was really good. Are you talking uh, about Gears Five? Four. The latest one was Gears Five. They did it? a remaster oh, of Gears One, and then they did Gears Four. Yeah, that's Gears. Oh. You, you're forgetting the the the, the other like. Uh, there was I swear to God, there was a Gears Four. Then no, there was, was the like. It was judgment. There was judgment. There was the Gears judgment. with the blonde head dude on the cover. The yeah. like Justin Timberlake haircut, yeah, which was not it's, bad either. The latest one is with his, Marcus's son, and then there was yeah. a fourth one that I remember that came out with God of War four. Yeah, yeah. the the blonde haired guy. Yeah. yeah, that's Judgment. Listen, yeah, and that's, that's judgment. not God of, God of War four either. That's God of War Ascension. Remember, both of them take I took see. a D two, like yeah. um, like different versions of their games. So what made what made the first half terrible for you? Was it the gameplay or the, it, the art? It's, yeah, it's ultra generic. It's the, they're actually uh, going to a city that's built on prefabs, mm-hmm. and like imagine like you are already using prefabs to create art in the games, mm-hmm. and now you're building a city out of these prefabs. Like it's mm-hmm. prefab inside prefab. It's just like super generic art, uh, and the gameplay hasn't picked up yet. Uh, the narrative hasn't picked up yet. I think once they hit to the like the, the you know to, when you when you get past that point, I think it becomes really good. So, are you saying out of the three systems, even if you don't like the latest Mario, like Xbox in terms of software, is is the weakest out of the E three? Uh, I I think PS four has a lot of games that they didn't have anything new. Right. Essentially, everything was from last year. That now we are. Heading to the like stages that are, com- like getting finished. Yeah, like, but to we're me, getting I'm saying to like Xbox One X was not a sell for me. Like Xbox on its own, to me, still like I like it better than PS4 because it connects to TV. But um, I don't think uh, Xbox One X yeah. sell for me. So- so here's and I know we kind of beat dead horses sometimes on this show, but we have a lot of episodes and some people don't listen to every episode. So here I'm going to take a little soapbox moment. The thing about the Xbox One X that kind of bothers me is and sure, you did say this yourself, the unique selling point. Like what's the you have to have Xbox One X, right? That's not even their marketing strategy. They said, hey, you can buy any game and play it on any Xbox, right? If you buy a new game coming out, you can play it on your Xbox One or your One S. Or if you really want to invest in the 4K, you can get the Xbox One X and play it there and it's going to look great. So what they're saying is you have the opportunity to buy something that plays stuff that you can already do versus 
putting you in a position where it's like it's necessary for you to upgrade because of X, Y, and Z. Now, I will also say that I think it's a little early to jump on the 4K bandwagon because every other industry where 4K is involved is like throttled right now because of the internet, right? Like you can't just go on YouTube on your Comcast internet and just watch 4K video. You know what I mean? Like well, you're you're not gonna have a good. Go ahead. Use, I I don't think even you can like the, the the equipment for 4K is too expensive. Like when you mm -hmm. even think about like production for TVs, movies, everything is just very very expensive. It's it's like I think. Well, I'll say still we are like away. I, I will away from it. I'll counter that and say that 4K cameras aren't that bad because if you have like an iPhone that came out in the last year or two, you can do 4K, right? Like don't these things. Or actually, let me not quote that without looking it up. But like, I know that like 4K capability is getting inexpensive if you're filming it, right? But like 4K monitors and 4K TVs are not the standard yet. Is 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 what I'm and saying? And I think 4K like CG production is also very very yeah. difficult now. Yeah. So if you buy an Xbox One X, I think the major selling point is that console is going to ride for like seven, eight years. Like you're good. You know what I mean? I guess that's all that they can say is invest now while 4K and the infrastructure to support it is coming up and enjoy the top level of gaming that you can be provided with on an Xbox. I think it's yeah. that's pretty much it. That's all that they can say because other than that, I don't need to upgrade. I can play it on my One S or my One. But yeah, to me, like there was, it's the same goes with PS4 Plus. Like PS4, I, when I, I, I recent actually recently play, like purchased my PS4, and I was just thinking, like, why do I need to buy a PS4 Plus and pay $150 extra? Well, you buy the PS4 really Plus so you reason. can play games online. No, I, I need the, the Pro. Pro, Pro. Pro. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but PS4 Pro to me is like $150 for what? Like, I don't need any of that at the yeah. moment and um for, I, I i didn't I, I and and i'm someone who actually appreciates like higher visual fidelity and all of that and it still was not justifiable to, to buy like you know maybe hope for like you know an uncharted 4 patch that makes it look pretty prettier mm -hmm. but that was not like you know uh a selling point to me so what what's the sure uh, solution here if Microsoft came to you, Sony came to you, sure, what can I do? What can I do? Get more to devs. Things up? Get more devs. And, uh, I, like, so, especially for software. Me, so you're saying software. Yeah, so software. For me, who's actually outside the gaming industry a little now, um, like, it's weird, like, seeing, like, um, like, video games do not have, like, you know, any, like, I think it's a little stagnant. Um, uh, I I don't know what the solution is. If I was, I would be a billionaire. But uh, I I don't know what the solution. And VR was not that solution. VR AR were not that solution yet because we are not there hardware wise. Um, again, another aspect that they didn't sh like they could have really improved and sold like Xbox One X was like, hey, we can at least support all these VR tech with this. None of that happened either. Uh, and uh, I, and I think that killed a lot of hope actually for a lot of the. VR development that like all these like you know companies were hoping for like you know oh we we will have more install base that's that's not going to happen mm -hmm. uh, and I've always been also like one thing that I think video game industry needs is uh, like you know every week that movies come out you know the sales you know like how much like Transformers you know crapped at fifty three million dollars this week 
but you never have any how much a game sells. And I think that's really bad for an industry that's like so mass. It's weird that you don't have sale numbers. Um, so thinking from the consumer and publisher side, what do you think what's going on with that? Like how, how would it be helpful to for because us? Because it's and- done by a private company. NPD tracks that thing. And uh, they they only sell, sell the data to people who want it. It's essentially data for investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, it comes from the fact that a lot of the gamer com- gaming companies are smaller compared to like movie counterparts, like, you know, Wyacoms or like, you know, and uh, they're, they're just scared that like once the release data of a game comes out and it's not up to par to what they believe, their stocks would plummet. I think that's the biggest scared that causes that but at the same time i i as a mass popular i think it would help that you know taylor swift album sold this much this week you know um you know all these movies sell this much but nobody knows how much a game sells vg vg charts tracks the data but their track their data is not accurate and uh, um and you also don't have the online sales and all of these are trackable numbers by the publishers it's just the fact it's not released to the public. And I think that's terrible. Mm-hmm. The people need to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's what would be the benefit for them if they did release it? I mean, the incentive is not there for right now. What would the incentive be? Is it because just the private company exposing the movie stuff and the movie's just going along with it now and they're, they're used to it? But, you know, what, what what's the benefit to the game companies to release data and... And everything. I think it's just more mass odd, like like mass. Uh, what's the word? Like awareness. It's you. You're just more aware of like every week on the like even the worst shows on E. They say, oh, like E Weekly. They say, oh, this movie sold this much this week. Mm-hmm. There's no data about games at all, even though yeah. they sell pretty high numbers. I think it's just yeah. adds awareness to it. Even like the bad movies, like you know. J- what was he saying? Like any any of the Lonely Island movies? Those ones didn't sell, but you still have them on the you know, which which are fun movies. But they don't they have like all these data for them, and they still get a lot of like publicity awareness. I think the games do not have that aspect, and and I think some of it comes from there's no sale data. Nobody knows how much these things actually produce money. Yeah. Games that I've worked on, I still don't know the sale numbers to a lot of them. <laughs> I think one of my bets was on Advanced Warfare also. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, I think uh, the, the Call of Duty, uh, uh, the, the one from last year, which was kind of good too, uh, Future War. No, what was it? Infinite, Infinite Warfare. Infinite. Infinite was like, its numbers are not that great based on VG charts. But again, no, no numbers. Like no, nothing has been released. Even Destiny, you don't know what the numbers are. It, it's so bad that no one knows, and they don't release anything about it. But do you feel like them releasing it is going to plummet stocks? Like how? How's that? Or, or it could improve. It could improve. I think. Like at the same time, if they sell, hey, like Destiny might have looked like it only sold two million copies on disc. But hey, we have sold four million copies online. That actually, like, it's a benefit to them to say like we have this amount of people playing this game, so more people would join rather than like you know this game has only two hundred thousand people and you don't like you join a server and it's empty. 
So yeah. I think it actually helps with uh, potentially like, uh, and I think it would help with games that get like mediocre reviews. They, mm-hmm. Like so, like in the movie industry, even if it, like there's these blockbuster movies that are just there because the sheer amount of uh, awareness and publicity. Uh, this doesn't happen to games. A game that the, the, the Metacritic comes out and it's under 85, you're dead. Uh, and uh, I think it's a lot. There used to be the joke that that 50 Cent game sold a ton, even though it had bad reviews. It never happened since then. Like we haven't had a bad reviewed games in the past 10 years that sells well. And I think that's really bad. It sucks, man. It's the way that I look at it is like one, a lot of these people have more power than they should. Like, I think you should be able to review a game and say, hey, I don't like this game or this game isn't that great. But I'm assuming there's still a market for that game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. for example, let's just let's just pull the rabbit out of the hat and the elephant in the room, as they say somewhere. I just made that up. <laughs> Call of Duty year after year after year will get like that Call of Duty hate where people are just like, oh, it's COD. They did this. They did that. It sucks. It does this. It does that. But people still buy the game because they're like, you know what? F your review. I want to have a fun time killing and playing this game with my friends. Right. But now smaller games may not be able to, you know, uh, I, I guess they may not be able to overcome the same fate. Right, where like reviews or, or journalists may have personal vendettas against companies or personal beefs and will tank the score just to be the one that gives them like a bad score and then I it catches on. But yeah, and uh, and that's a whole different topic of conversation in my opinion, yeah. which I completely agree with you. Like I remember at the time Halo 5, Halo 4 came out mm-hmm. and Tom Chick, who's not a bad reviewer. I think he gave it three out of ten. I'm like, oh man, you know, four. You might not like the franchise. You might hate everyone in three, four, three, but that is not a three out of ten game. Yeah. No matter in whatever perspective you put it, that is not a three out of ten game. Yeah. And that actually affects with developers, like because suddenly you have like devs who were like, I, I, I know you worked at Obsidian. They oh had man. To deal about that Fallout game. Oh man. Yeah, so they got 79 rather than 80 out of in Metacritic, and they didn't get bonuses. So you're actually affecting the people who are actually creating the game, people enjoy. Um, again, it's a big topic of conversation, I think, that we can't cover right now, but I completely agree with you. Yeah, it's so just to give some detail to the audience, uh, what Shore was referring to is Obsidian's contract with, was Bethesda? Or Zenimax, or which one of those? Yeah, Zenimax. sorry. Zenimax. Yeah, I wasn't there at the time. I'm only paraphrasing from what I've been told. Basically, they're like, "Hey, you know, Fall of New Vegas, it's gonna be great. If you guys sell, let's just say, like, and like, if you get an 85 Metacritic, we will give you like this many millions of dollars as like a bonus, right? So the game comes out and it does like an 84, and they're like, "Oh, sorry." You know what I mean? The contract's yeah, a contract. Back, <laughs> like everywhere goes and gives it like suddenly like two out of ten. Like for yeah. some reason, or vendetta, or like he just didn't enjoy it. But uh, yeah. like it so piles on the negativity. Exactly. Doesn't. You know. So clearly, now on on the on the side of the reviewers, they don't know what companies have deals with publishers based on Metacritic ratings, right? So like, I'm not going to blame them and be like, "Oh, you screwed this company out of money." But what I will say is like, 
the fact that that is now a thing is just terrible, right? That like, hey, you know, if you guys get a Metacritic rating of this, we will give you money. But if you don't, we won't. It's like, can we just look at the sales and say, mm -hmm. hey, we made this much money off of this product that we just developed. Cut us in a slice of that big fat check. You know what I mean? And and the reality also is I, I'm not like debating it whether you have a ton of good reviewers in this world, mm -hmm. but at the same time, there is a ton of other ones that are just kids like me. I'm not mm. a, I'm not a, like, you know, journalist. I don't have any, in, nobody knows if I have integrity or not. So why should my, you know, judgment be reviewed in meta, like would be respected by Metacritic. Like, mm. I, I think that's also a whole different aspect uh, of that side that needs a full conversation on. Man, it's like no other industry does that, right? Like they don't go to Robert De Niro after he's filmed a movie like, all right, Rob, here's how it works. You know, if you get a 10 out of 10 from Yahoo Movies, we're going to give yeah. you your, you know what I mean? Like the shit doesn't happen like that. And then it's these these hardworking developers who have nothing to do with journalists who have to like now go home and be like, hey, well, you know, we're still struggling because, you know, some idiot writer unfairly justified our game as a two and like now we missed out on christmas money so yeah and, i'm giving out love for christmas kids <laughs> movies with bad reviews that still sell well like you know and at the same time there are movies with great reviews mm. that no one cares about um so i think it's uh, like with, with movie it has become like um audience understands like how they want to entertain their, themselves how are they going to enjoy their, you know, um, media? But with regards to games, I think the, the reviewer has too much power at the, at the moment, like the Metacritic mm -hmm. aspect of it. Yeah. And I think releasing the sale data kind of like, you know, plays with that aspect of it and maybe like softens that blow a little. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, oh, go ahead, Brandon, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, man. Well, the biggest thing, too, that, that's happening within the movie industry is like a lot of directors are coming out against Rotten Tomatoes uh, because it, it's just like this good or bad thumbs up, thumbs down system. Yeah. Just based on, you know, the percentage. And a lot of people, at least the younger generation, right? So a little before you, Shora, uh, <laughs> the, the younger generation base their movie going experience on Rotten Tomatoes. Like I myself am guilty of that. I check if the movie is worth it for me to spend 20 bucks out there or should I wait for later? And I think games, oh, wow. if anything, is kind of having that approach uh, more in check, right? You're less than likely going to spend 60 bucks if it has a low score nowadays. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you but said... But never like, respect like who was the director beforehand who made like let's say i'm a michael bay fan which i am actually like mm -hmm. and i know even though transformers might be utter garbage but i do like this guy so i would just go because i know he has like he has shot this movie with imax let's say so mm -hmm. i would go just watch this movie because the sheer you know what's on the, the scale of everything on screen mm -hmm. uh, yeah. i know it might not be great uh so i like I personally associate more with directors and who made this movie rather than like, you know, if it got like a 10 out of like, you know, Metacritic of 10 at like, or like 10 out of like one out of 10. And I, I don't care about that as much. I, I, and for me, I think the game should be like this too. Like if this game was developed by like BioWare, okay, I'm in. If it gets bad Metacritic review, 
who cares? I, I still respect, you know, Bioware as a dev that I want to see what this project of theirs is. Yeah, I, I still, I, I would, using the same uh, example you gave, Michael Bay, I would not go to see the movie <laughs> because Michael Bay made it. <laughs> like, I, I'm like doing the exact same. So I do look at the catalog of, uh, of directors or writers attached to a project, uh, in our case, you know, to a game, and just look at their back record. And I do just check Rotten Tomatoes. How consistent are they, you know, as a director and writer? Or is oh, it man. just a director or I lost so much respect from your audience, and I said I like Michael Bay. Michael Bay is a popcorn. He's and- really good at what he does, right? But God damn it, he's done it five times in Transformers Five. Finally, <laughs> caught the bug. Like it, it's not performing that well anymore. Thank God. His sense of humor is awful. But yeah. but to me, <laughs> um, there are like maybe three directors in the world that you see a shot of their movie and you know who they are. Mm-hmm. And and that's such I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's very difficult. Like it's Wes Anderson, it's Tim Burton and Michael Bay. If you see mm-hmm. a shot of their movie, you know it's their movie. Mm-hmm. No matter no matter where, uh, where what context you see this shot in. But to me, uh, I, I think I lost a lot of respect from your audience when I said that. <laughs> hey but- man, you love what you want to love and you fight for it. <laughs> but yeah, in the same way, man, I look at games, uh, Especially, so if it is by where I know if it's that team that, you know, they're seasoned vets, so they're going to produce something consistent. Uh, Hence, you know, Andromeda had a lot of issues. And then, you know, a couple months later, the original Mass Effect team creates something like Anthem and looks off the hook. So, yeah, uh, it's definitely, you know, recognizing patterns from well-respected developers or uh, directors or whatever. But that's sort of the thing. But the problem lies with, you know, do we have that type of system for uh, critics? Sort of, right? If you respect a blog and you follow them and they've been consistent with your views whenever you play the game that they recommend and stuff, sure, you might have a loyal fan base. But then uh, we're not dealing with them individually. We're dealing with like a compiled list of all the websites that gives you like a, a rotten tomato type of score a metacritic i guess and you know you're not following just your guy right maybe that's the problem this is no one's dedicated to this one review that you like you kind of go into metacritic as a mm-hmm. yeah as a newbie and you just see this one score that represents everyone in the industry and a lot mm-hmm. of that shit is two out of ten for halo 4 which is ridiculous yeah <laughs> Like I, I, I'm not a Halo fan at all, but <laughs> but that is not a two out of ten type of game. Like Halo Four is respectably way higher than that. Yeah, even yeah. if you have criticism and want to complain about some aspects of it, you can just say, okay, it's like a maybe six out of ten because mm-hmm. just the sheer amount of craftsmanship and mm-hmm. um, a lot that goes to into a game, uh, rather than like you know uh, and. Yeah, you're dealing with a lot, a lot of people who put their hearts and souls in, in into this game, uh, which again could be bad. But again, to me, like Halo Four could never deserve like a two. A game like Halo Four could never deserve a two out of ten. 
Well, sure. <clears throat> I want to do something that we are now doing with every guest we bring to the podcast. And it's a little game. It's a little late in the episode. Sorry, audience, but we're still going to do it. It's called The Fast Five. I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions and I need five rapid fire answers. Are you ready to play? Okay. Okay. Question number one What is the absolute worst video game of all time? Oh, that's hard to. That's Undertale. Hard. Undertale. Oh snap! <laughs> that game just recently came out, and got uh, a lot of love. I, I hate. I hate. I hate. <laughs> I, hate I hate. I hate pretentious two D. Let's put it that way. Okay, no problem. No problem. Question number two: If you had your own game development studio, where do you think the best place for that studio would be, state wise, as far as income, as far as uh, tax San breaks? San Diego. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Question number three. If you weren't a video game developer, what would you do instead? Uh, probably. Basketball. Uh, I, I used to be a basketball <laughs> player. So that's one. Uh, chef. I, I've recently been very good, like cooking very well. That's another thing. And oh, how many mission stars? stars. Dude. That's right. And animation and animation. And do we know? Sure. We totally did not even touch on the fact that you used to be a pro basketball player. That's yeah, yeah. So uh, what's terrible that? journalism? We got we got to go back to that later. All right, fast five. Yeah. Let me finish the next two questions. All right, sure. Next question: If there was one movie director that you could tell to never make a movie again, who would it be? Oh God. Uh... <sighs> so many. So no, but. Like, <laughs> Like there are people I really like, but they have made some really uh, like pretension stuff that I mm. like. I still enjoy their work, mm. but like I, I, I'm not a fan. Like let's say they get like a ton of hype online. All these online guys go like gaga for them. But like Edgar Wright, I I think he's a solid director, but I don't want him to go away. But I, but I think he's very overrated. I, I would put it as overrated. Be careful, please. Sure. <laughs> Anything you say <laughs> will make him go no, away. But, in this I still want to see his work. I just think he's overrated. But like someone who did not make anything. Um, someone that I, I I want someone that ruined a franchise. <laughs> you know, I you know I think someone that has been bothering me lately that, that has started franchises and ruining his own franchise has been like Ripley Scott, man. I feel <laughs> oh, like that dude. Oh, nah, nah. I feel like that dude is just getting old, <laughs> losing his touch because his movies oh. are just been terrible lately, man. You like Martian? Martian? Martian was good, but it was a fluke. Like, look at the last like 10 years of his career. It, it just seems like, uh, like I'm he's going downhill. Phone is a pretentious like, give me someone pretentious. I, I he think- is pretentious. You know what he <laughs> no. said in one of his, uh, like, one of those THR roundtable where they gathered, like, all the Oscar directors? He was saying that there's too many directors and too many movies being made every year. <laughs> they should just leave it. <laughs> Leave it to a few that's been around a lot. So, of course, he's, like, champing himself. Mm-hmm. You know I was who like, I what, a, say what a dick thing to out. say around a director full, you know, full. It's like, there's too, too many movies being made. So much. Okay, I, I found one. I found one. Sofia Coppola. I, I, I think she's completely. <laughs> Damn. He's singling out the female, I see. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about <laughs> work. It's like, I just hate. 
people. What was her last <laughs> movie? What was her last movie? Her last movie? I only know Lost in oh. Translation. What was the latest one? Oh, which is over. I I well, I, I saw the one with the like uh, Lindsay Lohan like story uh, with uh, Emma Watson in it too. Um, Lohan. Jeez, how much time do you have to watch all these movies? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, didn't you know I used to like when I interviewed at Sledgehammer one of the guys asked me do you watch movies and stuff and I said I think there is like 300 it it, it was especially like I like around 2009 to like to 2012 if there was like 360 movies released a year I would watch probably 220 of them that's a a really from everything like (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) You just pre-planned oh. no life in a hypothetical <laughs> question. <laughs> okay, she made somewhere which is terrible, um, which is very much like Lost in Translation. Maria yeah. um, Antoinette, Virgin Suicides. I see, I see. Um, okay, okay. She made a few. They're very unique visually and no, like they're stand not. out, right? No, no. Okay, no. no. <laughs> I haven't seen all of them, so I can't really comment. But I know they stand out at least from the crowd. Just and also, I would say half the Netflix shows, like what? What? Damn! Really? Damn! Like half half of Netflix. Netflix is killing it. No, no. You must mean the half that I'm not watching. Yeah. No, I think like which is very little. uh, Masters of None. I think it's overrated. Oh, oh! No way! Masters of None is legit. The Iranian immigrant does not like Masters of None. No, so compare that. We gotta retrieve your uh, green card back. Uh, (laughs) Hell no! No, I'm fighting. Like, 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 just as an example, compared that to Silicon Valley, there's a difference. Silicon Valley. So you're saying because you. Because you would give one a hundred percent and the other one a ninety-eight, the ninety-eight yeah. no, deserves no, to not exist. Not exist. Yeah, <laughs> intentionally That's... write something to be pleasant to the to the critics. There's mm. a difference between that, and I just don't like pretentiousness. It, it to me, it kills anything. Yeah. I, I, Dora is a non-pretentious guy. Okay. I I just I look. I'll just say it. I've said it many times this episode. I contest. I don't agree. Dude, <laughs> Master of None is charming. It's original. It's funny, and it's got a unique flavor. And you feel Very like you're watching unique, a television yeah. experience, right? Like yeah. it's. What was the other new show with the, the with the nasty gal girl? Uh, nasty gal. Oh, nasty uh, girl. Um, oh, I know which one you're talking about, but I forgot the name. It's it follows, follows the no. girl entrepreneur. It's like the story. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, that was really bad timing for them to go bankrupt before that. <laughs> you know, it was like two days before the Netflix announced about a show and like a young girl like finding like huge success. Two two days after the company went bankrupt. <laughs> But that's just like, why would I want to watch this? I know the ending. My wife kept telling me, why, why? Why, when it infuriates you, why do you keep watching it? It's yeah. so bad. It's yeah. so, oh, it, that's just pretentiousness all over it. Yeah. Don't watch I, I had no interest about that. Well, let me but, just ask this one last one fast last five question and we'll get Shora's clock time. Shora, if there is one person in the game, in, or excuse me, one game company that you could say is completely underrated, right? Doesn't get appreciated the way that they should. What company and what game? I used to say it's Monolith, but they got their due with uh, with Mordor. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I I have worked at Raven, so it's unfair to say that. I think they were fantastic at some point. They had Singularity, Wolverine, and uh, Wolfenstein, and mm-hmm. they all came at the same time. None of them none of them sold well, but they were all fantastic games. I think they deserve their due. Um, but that's unfair because I worked at Raven. Um, who else would I say? Nintendo. Oh, Nintendo will have their day one day. I would say uh, the the Titanfall people. I oh, respawn. Respawn. Hell yeah! Shout out to respawn. Really good I people at respawn. Their game sold that well, but I think Titanfall two probably was game of the year last year. Yeah, mm, I agree. Yeah, man, Titanfall Two is incredible. I'm so happy they went full on with the single player, and I still had fun multiplayer. Oh yeah, oh, that single player is just so good. Yeah, and yeah. The art, maybe they might not have the best engine or anything like, but God, the, 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 the gameplay, the mulchy sound that when you hit something with the gun, oh God, that's so good. It's it's, <laughs> and the mechanics they introduce is just so fluid, uh, so effortless. And then they bring that time mechanic. It's too good. Yeah, I should. I'm gonna send a snippet of everything that you just said to uh, Ryan Ryan Ehrenberg. <laughs> <laughs> he did an episode with us. I'm sure they'll be happy to know that they are now officially Game Dev Unchained's most underrated game developer. Thanks to Shora. I actually asked one of the guys in, at GDC, and he had a the, the respawn T-shirt, and I just thanked him. I was like, "Dude, you guys rock!" and no purpose. Like I, I have a solid job, but I was just like, you guys rock everything. That's awesome, man. Well, sure. Well, well let me ask oh, one no, no, thing. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Go ahead, Brandon. You know what we, I'm about to do. Yeah, we know for sure that we have a lot of uh, old call coworkers and colleagues listening in on this. And we need to get to the bottom of this story. I've been hearing a lot oh, shit. through oh, shit, the lock bro. the locker rooms and and the hisses throughout the studio that you used to be. An Iranian basketball star. All right, where where did this come from? Professional basketball. Professional. I heard professional too, right? Yeah. National team. <laughs> no, so where I, is this? No, no national team. I played in Tehran's team, but um, I used to be in a team that that team uh, won the sec. Like we became second in the. Mm. So you so, lost the championships. Yeah, we you're lost the first the loser. And 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 the league there is like twelve team, and Mm. again the top four play like you know the first team plays the fourth one and the second and third play. I see. Uh, uh, But it's the best of not best of seven, best of five. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we we lost the championship. But um, I've been here. I I was a kid back then. I think my school and um, no no lying. I think my basketball. Skill set has I, my body is not the same, pretty much. It's a lot fatter, but uh, my skill set I can play with the best of them still. When I was in Wisconsin, I'm trust me, Brandon. When I was in Wisconsin, um, this is laughing in agreement. Don't mistake this. Um, what's his name? Best Matthews, because Wisconsin, like in Madison, the gym mm-hmm. that I used to go is so cheap, and it's all like college kids, it's all like division one players, yeah. And like Wes Matthews, an NBA player, like came and practiced with us. I still could play with any of them. So, and but one of my down? 
What? No, no. <laughs> but but uh, one of my old no, Larry, what I'm saying he, is I was on the court. <laughs> I played with him. I could play with him. <laughs> I, I, my body I, does I, not... <laughs> Body and skill is different. Yeah. Like you know, physicality and skill set is a diff- two different things. No, sure, but you're the you're the, the best moment. player coach I've ever seen. I have to say, <laughs> simultaneous coaching and playing. I've never seen it to the likes, dude. You 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 you've got that nailed. I've got to say, and it was fun. It was always fun playing with you, man. I still play. Sometimes on I don't even basis. know if I'm on your team or not. That's how I get you. But I still play on a daily basis. Yeah. But I don't. Argue like I don't like when I see some kids arguing. I just don't bother with them anymore. Like mm. there used to be day that I you like go like you know foul mounting both together, but now I just like let it go. I've yeah. kind of grown a little, a little. He's growing up. A bit. <laughs> That's our boy. I'm happy for you, sure. And it's been good talking to you over this past hour. And what we do at the end of the podcast after we've been talking for an hour is Brandon and I will take a step back and be quiet and let you talk directly to the audience and tell them something that you're excited about, something that you're involved in, that you want to promote, or just draw some attention to uh, and raise awareness for. So, sure. Talk about. I mean, just, you know, be generous, but, you know, don't take up 10 minutes. Like you can, you can drop a couple of, drop a couple of plugs. If you'd like the floor is yours. No, my, my most recent thing was like, I recently rewatched my wife. It had not watched pirates movies. Mm-hmm. So, Oh yeah. And good God, please. Someone at ILM, like pair up Gore Verbinski and ILM together again, mm-hmm. because he hasn't made a big movie. And I think, he was one of my top five directors of like currently working mm. and he hasn't made us. And I know like Lone Ranger was a like weird movie because they cut out his budget mm. uh, because that movie was supposed to have werewolves and all these craziness. And they actually cut like $20 million off his $200 million budget. Damn. But um, I think he's still. <laughs> that alone is like. <laughs> I still think he's a fantastic director that needs to do big movies. Yeah. And someone needs to pair them up. I that's my pet peeve, of most recent pet peeve. And uh, yeah, pirate movies. Watch all three of them. Mm-hmm. I think they they age. They 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 get better with age. Especially the third one. At the time when I watched it, I thought it's messy, but God, it's so good. And mm-hmm. ILM got robbed of an Oscar for that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now back to <laughs> All right, uh, shout out to pirates. <laughs> shout out to pirates and Gore Verbinski. Okay, that's people my who hated me saying I like Michael Bay, I like Gore Verbinski too. Um, and uh, same goes with Wachowskis. Wachowskis need to do movies too. And um, also with regards to reading materials, if you want, I I, I really enjoyed Bill Simmons' writing recently. Uh, I didn't know who he was until two years ago, but mm-hmm. he's a fantastic writer at The Ringer. And he writes about basketball and sports. And I think he's awesome. His HBO show was kind of terrible. But <laughs> as a person and as a writer, he's really, like, his words are really good. Nice. Um, and also promotion for myself. You can find me on ArtStation at Shore underscore F. Or, uh, yeah, just search me. I have a website at shorespot.com. That's it. Awesome, man. Sure, Brandon. You guys are both out of sight. Oh, oh, oh. oh no. Let me thank you guys for the opportunity. It was fun. Oh, of course, man. Uh, you tolerated me jumping into your you talking. I know probably people would hate me for it, but I apologize. 
but it was fun. It, the, really. There's no hate on We're this side. It's all love. Yeah. Yeah. We we actually hope that you can come back and maybe do a, a roundtable episode where we just open dialogue about a couple of different topics in the game industry. Oh, that sounds fun. It's like the view, but men and games. And it's not always men, but it so far has been mostly men. <laughs> we should invite a uh, female. <laughs> Just from you saying that. <laughs> well, I realized I was digging a, a dish when I said it's like the view, but men. And I was like, oh, shit, because we're not exclusive, you know, so... <laughs> Anyway, we're sounding exclusive. Yeah, so far we're exclusive. well, gentlemen. My Fitbit's hungry. I need to go get some more steps. So, Larry Charles, thank you, sure. I'm saying good night. Hey, how many steps do you have, by the way? <laughs> God damn, dude. Uh, for the day, <laughs> for the day, eight thousand six hundred and fifty-three. For the week, forty-three thousand. I'm ninety-eight hundred. You have ninety-eight hundred, sure. Yeah. Is that from watching your old highlights as a basketball star? <laughs> is that how you register steps to? All right. This is Brandon Fam. I'll see you guys next week. Say something. Oh, bye. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.